Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 101. So you're in for a special treat today because I am going to do a quick intro, and then I'm going to hand it off to, I'm not going to really hand it off, we're going to jump over (laughs) to an interview I just wrapped up with fellow yoga teacher, uh, Joe Bregnard. Now, Joe is someone who I connected with about six or seven months ago as a result of a podcast listener contest I was having around goal setting. And you'll hear in the beginning of the episode when the interview with her uh, starts, how, um, what the point of that contest was and what interested her in it. And then we're going to, and then we launch into a whole conversation about setting goals, what's involved in setting goals. And she talks at length about some goals that she has set for herself and what she's encountered along the way in starting to get that goal underway. Now, the reason I wanted to focus on this is because I know that setting goals is something that yoga teachers often do. And at the same time, I know that there can sometimes be some anxiety and just feeling pressure around goal setting. So I wanted to talk about it. The other interesting thing that I didn't realize was going to come up is that Joe talks in detail about how she set up her online offer, which is a monthly membership. And so I think for you, the listener, if you've been thinking about starting a monthly membership, or even if you've been offering online classes, and maybe you want to do something like offer a weekend retreat, we get into that as well, because that's something else that Joe has done. So I think there'll be a lot here for you, both in terms of some of the technical aspects of what she's doing, and then also how she found people that would be interested in what she was offering. So there's a lot to love in this episode, and I'm super grateful for Joe that she was willing to come on the podcast. And as I say at the end, she didn't even know what I was going to ask her, and she just kind of rolled with it and went with the flow. So I'm really grateful to her for that. Um, I want to start out um, or just say one 
couple of more just general things before we launch that interview with Joe. Uh, I always like to say what the date is of the recording of the podcast, and the date today is November 2nd. So that, of course, means that tomorrow is election day. And so I want to just say, if you're listening to this on election day here in the United States, take a deep breath. I know right now things are really topsy-turvy and potentially stressful, regardless of your feelings about the candidates who are running and what your choice is. I think in general, this can be a stressful time. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, that is the time we are in here in the U.S. at least. And even if you are listening outside the U.S., uh, I'm sure that you have a lot of thoughts about what's happening here in regards to our national election. The other thing um, that I know is still very much in our foreview of our mind, if that's a word, um, forefront of our mind is the COVID pandemic. And I do hope if you're listening and you have been affected by, uh, by COVID that you are making it through okay. I, I always say this when I bring it up because you know, you just don't know when you are talking to people who all has been affected. Even sometimes when I turn on TV, I hear that so-and-so on the news uh, is recovering from COVID and, and perhaps I didn't know that that person had been affected. So um, I, I just want to say that I know this is still uh, a reality for all of us. And as I, as I shift uh, this part of the conversation to talking about um, things from a, a teacher perspective, you know, I think, again, this particular episode goes into quite a bit about things that you can be doing to um, really pivot your offers uh, and your teaching uh, offers to things that um, really just make more sense right now. And I think the reality is we're most likely going to be teaching online uh, well into 2021. So as you listen to this, if you have questions about what that is going to take from you in terms of knowledge you might want uh, that you don't have now, or just kind of strategizing around how can I develop an online presence? Uh, I want you to feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to do a free one-on-one -on -one consult with you to help you brainstorm around ideas to start to get yourself, you know, out there. And if you are out there now and you want to expand what you're offering and you're just not quite sure how that offer stands as well, I'm happy to do a one hour consult with you. Just think of it like a brainstorming session. So I think for right now, that kind of wraps up my intro. Um, I do want to acknowledge all of you that listened to last week's episode. I had a really um, big kind of amazement when I went and checked my podcast statistics, there were um, about almost 700 people last week downloaded the uh, 100th episode. And so here we are at episode 101. Uh, so thank you if you did listen to that episode so much for listening. Uh, and it was definitely a milestone uh, for me to reach that 100th episode. And I'm looking forward to this episode 101. And then I'm also going to be recording on Friday, a, another special episode with a special guest. So uh, that will, the one I record on Friday will air next week. So this week and next week will both be weeks with really cool guests. So thank you again for listening. And let's now get into that interview with yoga teacher, Joe Bregnard, where we talk about 
goal setting. All right. So hi, everybody. So I am here with Joe Regnard, and she uh, has agreed to be on the podcast today. And I want to just take a moment just to kind of give you the listener um, just a little bit of background about how we ended up here together on the show. Um, Joe and I had been talking because she had listened to one of my podcast episodes that was recorded earlier this year in 2020. And in that episode, which maybe you have listened to as well, I was talking about the idea of goal setting. And I had been giving away during that episode some planners for people to use to kind of stay motivated around goals that they were setting. And this of course was all happening before the pandemic hit. And Joe was one of the people who came out and said, yes, I would love one of those. So that was how I had an introduction to her. And since then, it's been several months, we've kept in touch and I had, we had always chatted about having her come on the podcast to share a little bit about how she was doing in terms of some of the goals that she had set. And, you know, regardless of how I'm sure everybody's goals have shifted this year, I think, you know, in some ways, even more important now is this idea of setting goals and this whole kind of inherent component to it, which is being flexible and kind of rolling with the changes. So Joe and I had talked earlier this week, and I thought it would be a really good subject especially because we are heading towards the end of the year. And I know that is when people are going to be looking ahead despite what's happening right now and trying to make some semblance of plans for 2021, either in terms of your personal life or of course here on the podcast, we talk about things in the context of yoga teachers and what goals they might have. So I wanted to have her on to talk about goal setting. So welcome Joe to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so great to finally meet you. Yes, it's good to meet you too. So the listeners can't see you, but I can of course see you. <laughs> so it does definitely make it a little more real versus like the social media stuff, which is, you know, part of it, uh, although it's definitely nice, almost like being in the same room. Yes. Um, so I think what would be a good place for us to start is just give people an idea of who you are, where you are, just so the listeners have a little bit of a sense. And tell us a little bit about your yoga teaching, how you got into teaching yoga and what you're doing now. Great. Yeah, I'd love to share that. So I actually came to teaching through some self-care um, early on in the 2000s. I am a breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2002. Um, which uh, when a lot of people hear that, they think, oh, that was the thing that got you into yoga. And actually, that wasn't the thing that got me into yoga. You know, sometimes when we go through our own challenges and struggles, we're fine because we're busy dealing with ourselves. But it's when somebody else goes through something that we have a harder time. And, and that year also, my husband um, had some very serious burns um, resulting from an accident at his work. And that was definitely challenging for me too. I, I had a harder time with that than I, than I did, as I said, with my own cancer stuff. But um, we both recovered, everything was fine, well on our way to healing. And then right around um, 2010, my husband experienced some really severe heart um, issues. They came on suddenly, they were really scary, unexpected, um, and kind of through everything, 
out, out, just threw everything out. I kind of, as, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about this year and what happened with everybody this year, you know, all the plans we had and all the ideas of things we were going to do, you know, came to a screeching halt. And that was when I really struggled. Um, I had a hard time watching somebody else um, being be in pain, not be able to do anything, not taking care of myself, um, managing so many things, you know, not just my husband's um, condition, but also, you know, household stuff and work and all, all the things that come along with that. So that's when I came to my mat kind of with a different mindset. I had gotten into yoga a couple of years prior for the physical aspect, as so many people do, um, you know, that it was going to round out my workouts at the gym. And when I was able to get back to my mat, um, when my husband, you know, was, was okay for me to not be with him all the time, it was different. It was really different. And it, and it was the thing that I needed. So I came at it with a different mindset and I just dove in, you know, with, or jumped in with both feet. Not long after that, I decided I wanted to learn more and possibly teach. So I took a teacher training, a 200 hour in 2015, I started. And I, I love it. I love learning um, all the aspects really uh, about it. And the fact that it never ends, right? You, you're right. always a student. I just love that aspect about it. So um, I got my 200 hour certification, not that long after um, yoga, my yoga for cancer certification, yin, you know, I just, I really did a little bit of everything. Um, so in a, um, a few years ago, boy, you know, time really does flies, doesn't it? It's just crazy. Um, a few years ago, I did get my 300 hour in therapeutic essentials, a little bit of a focus on the therapeutic side of it. Um, yeah, I was still working full time. So I was teaching on the side, um, teaching evenings and weekends at local studios. And you live in, you were living in Massachusetts. Yep. Um, not that far from you, I understand on the South shore of Massachusetts. Oh, and, yeah. Yep. Teaching, teaching, um, in the South shore, um, area. And we, um, acquired a place in Vermont in, um, Oh, that was also um, 2011, I think, right around then. And it was a weekend and um, vacation type spot. So our plan was eventually to move here full time, which we have since done this year, a little bit earlier than expected. Um, and the plan was always that or, or became over the years that I would eventually be able to be here and be teaching full time. So that is how I've transitioned um, a little bit this year. But yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey and maybe not quite the way I expected it to unfold. Yeah. But it's great because I, I just am so excited to keep learning more. Yeah. So, so when you got this place, you had event, you had always planned on moving there and doing what there as it relates to yoga Te teaching in Vermont for studios or what did you kind of see as your vision? It's funny because I think my original plan was when we move here, I don't want to, I don't want to have to work. You know, that, that was going to be my ideal, but I love doing this so much. I love teaching and, and sharing all of this, um, this great stuff with people. So yeah, some of, at first I had thought about studios and there are a few studios around, um, you know, things are spread out here. It's definitely not like the Boston or even South shore area. 
um, you know, uh, later on in my time down in the South Shore, I was teaching um, at apartment complexes, things that I had set up myself, kind of um, um, series that I had set up at these places. And I think that could be done at a place like this, but, you know, it certainly would take a lot of travel, I think, on my part, and um, and a lot, a lot more coordination. There's just not the population of people here. So, yeah, that's when I started thinking about the possibility of teaching online and watching other people do it and what it was all about. And I thought, you know, I, I think I can do that. And, and the idea and the fact that you can do it from anywhere on your schedule and kind of make it what's going to work for both you and the student really made a lot of sense to me. So. Yeah. So when you had just said before um, you started to think about teaching online and you said to yourself, well, I think I can do it. Tell me what some of the considerations were, because I think a lot of listeners can kind of relate to that feeling of I've been teaching for some period of time in person. Um, and even if there wasn't the COVID pandemic, there might still have been an interest for teachers in creating an adjunct stream of classes that are online. Um, certainly now because of COVID, that has become a very big thing. So tell me a little bit about when you said to yourself in your head, I think I can do it. What were some of the considerations that were mulling around up there when you thought about, yeah, I can teach in person. Can I teach online? What were some of the things that came to mind for you? I'm sure they're like a lot of the same stuff that a lot of people have, which, you know, uh, the technology. Now, again, a lot has changed this year with the technology and the availability of information around setting this stuff up. But, you know, a couple of years ago, when I first started thinking about this, there wasn't this wealth of information or resources on how to get started online. So yeah, like who knew about Zoom? For you? <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm relatively techni technically savvy, but I, I was starting to talk to people who had set up kind of studios or portals themselves. Um, and then, and I thought, well, I could probably do that, but there are a lot of moving parts to that. There are a lot of pieces that need to come together to make that happen. Um, and then I saw other portals that were available, other teaching portals and, and course um, platforms. And so I said, okay, well, I can get some information about that. And I see how that goes, you know, I can pay, pay, and have more done for me, or I can go the DIY route and do it all myself and it's gonna take a lot of time. Um, so I knew that that was something that I would have to weigh. Um, so technically, and then I mean, I guess I thought a little bit about what it's like to teach online and how it's different. Um, I'm relatively, you know, I'm comfortable speaking in front of people, I'm, I'm comfortable with technology, but I know that there's a barrier there, barrier there that's not normally there when you're in the same room with people. Right. Um, so I, I knew that that was going to be an adjustment, an adjustment yep. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of kind of the chronology of things, where are you with that whole idea of teaching online? How has that worked out in terms of where are you at with it? So we, as I said, we ended up moving a little bit earlier than anticipated, but that was, that was fine. Now, in the meantime, we had moved during a pandemic. So I really put everything aside during that time, knowing how I can be about some pa passions that I have, this being one of them, that I can get really sidetracked. 
I said, no, I need to pack and we need to move. We have a lot to do and I will pick this up when, when we get settled, um, which was when I started seeing everybody else get online um, in the meantime, which was a little, which was a little frightening, but, um, or concerning, I should say not so much frightening, concerning. Um, so yeah, I, what I did was I signed up with um, a platform I use it on the stream. There are lots of other platforms out there. And I got that set up. And I, while I was packing, you know, just started poking around a little bit. I didn't have time to dive right in. So I just started poking around to see how things would be set up and how they would work and started to get started to get my education up on that. Um, and so really, once we moved in May, we didn't have much to do because this was our, it was already a, a home. So we didn't have so much um, set up and stuff to do here, but I just dove in. And um, the their process, I'm part of their um, group coaching program as well. I just happened to get a really good deal on the platform and the group coaching at the time I signed up. Um, it allowed me, to, again, to continue that education while I was getting it set up. And the plan for them is that you work with a small group of people, people that have worked with you before, if possible, and really get the idea of what they're looking for from you instead of going out and just kind of shooting darts and saying, I think they, my people might want this class and I think they might want this kind of class. You ask them and really get detailed into what they're looking for for a program. So that's what I did. I, um, it's called sleuthing. And I worked with this, with my, a small group of people, about 20 um, people that were interested in giving me feedback and, and wanted to find out what they wanted. My interest coming off of caring for, I have a mother who's in hospice care in a nursing home right now, and I'm taking care of my dad who's still at home or supporting my dad who's still at home in another state. And I saw how challenging it was for me while I was working full time, trying to teach and trying to take care of them to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And my yoga was part of that. And I, you know, was trying to sneak in yoga classes at different studios along my route, driving back and forth. Um, I was trying to find time to sit down and, and meditate. It was really, really hard. And I knew that the less of all that, that I was doing, the worse it would be for me, but I just didn't have time. So my interest really beca became serving people who take care of other people. Um, mm -hmm. And the people that I tend to attract with that are um, like school teachers, parents, people who are caring for elderly parents, um, anybody who's in really any type of situation where they're spending this you know, time um, giving all their energy to somebody else and they, and they have a hard time turning it back on themselves. So I, I created a program that's little bite-sized practices. Um, there is a weekly live 60-minute class that's available. Not a lot of people can make that. So there's also a 30-minute recorded weekly class. And then these five-minute, five to 15-minute bites of practices that can be done off the mat. Um, they can be postures, mantra, mudra, different, different things, different little practices that might help you ground yourself, um, relieve a little bit of anxiety, or maybe even get some movement in depending on what it is. Um, and it also has, I also have an online community and um, I send weekly emails to keep people motivated and engaged. And this initial group, this founder group does have um, private sessions built in as well for some extra coaching support. 
And it's really worked out great. So it's interesting to see how the similarities that people have around some of this stuff. Yeah. So I want to, um, I want to try to kind of capture a couple of things that came up as you were explaining this, because I think this also will be of interest to people. Um, and I don't want to get too much into the technical, although I think it can be helpful because I think you're right. The technical aspect can be very intimidating for people. And right now with um, the online offering being such a big piece of what teachers are doing, uh, I think there is some value in kind of demystifying some of it. Mm. So the first thing is I want to, and this is a little bit off the specific technical track. I hope I remember the question I have. Um, the first thing I wanna have you talk a little bit about is when you had said earlier, you started to notice you were in the middle of your move that a lot of people were setting up things online and you started to feel a sense of like missing out. Mm. Talk a little bit about that because I think this is also a common perception, a common feeling. So what, what was kind of in that feeling? What were you concerned about? What were you afraid of? What was it bringing up for you? Well, you know, it's funny because here I was literally for probably five years prior to now, I knew that this was what I was going to do. We'll, I know we'll get around to goal setting, but this was a goal that I had that I'm going to teach online. And, you know, visualization, the whole bit, I knew what this was going to look like. And so here I am moving, doing the right thing. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing all these people quickly get online. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, this was my plan. Why can't I do this too? Um, and of course, I could have. And there is this universe is enormous when it comes to the amount of opportunity that is out there. And the idea of really niching down and finding the people that most resonate with what you want to share is so much what it's all about. You know, the struggle sometimes with teaching at a physical studio, um, especially in a less popular, populous location, is that it's hard to niche down and you kind of have to become a generalist to serve the, your population are, are the ones that can drive to you, you know, right? That's what it's based on. You know, online, there are, there are so many opportunities when it comes to being really specialized with a group of people that you want to work with. And I think that is so wonderful. In my coaching group, you know, there are people working with figure skaters there are people working with, um, you know, women who have a certain number of children and what their challenges are at home. They're really, really specific ballet dancers who want to do yoga. You know, I, you're just not going to find this at your neighborhood studio, your studio around the corner. Or if you do, it might just be like an occasional workshop or something like that. Right. So to be able to see these populations be served. Right. Nice. So it sounds like when when you originally or you had the thought you moved you started to see it happening for other people and I, let me i don't want to put words in your mouth but let me just uh, try to make a guess you were afraid that you were going to run out of there weren't going to be enough people that you could help because everybody else so it was kind of that scarce scarcity yeah idea. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I wanted, I kind of had a feeling that's what you were referring to. And I wanted to bring it up because, and have you talk about it a little bit, just because I think that is a common thought. And I can remember when the first shutdowns happened um, for us here in Massachusetts around March 
um, 17th or so, it was pretty quickly within two weeks of that, that I started to see, I'm doing a Zoom class, I'm doing, so it was pretty quickly that people were kind of putting their stake in the ground, so to speak, and saying, here's, I'm hanging up my virtual shingle, come take my class. Uh -huh. And I could see that for a lot of teachers that could potentially create that sense of anxiety. Oh my God, I'm late to the game. Oh my God, they're taking all the students. And I think what you said, and that's why I wanted you to talk to it, is so important, which is there are so many people, almost more people than you can imagine once you go online, because now anybody can work with you. Whereas before, when you're seeing people in person in a studio, that's obviously not the case. Um, and I think the other thing you brought up is the idea of defining who you're, who you're really um, set up to serve, who you're mm -hmm. really set up to help. And when I say that, I think of it as a partner process. You know, you've kind of got your mission. I've got my mission. We're looking for people who are interested in what we have to offer the way we have to offer it versus I can be a teacher for anybody. I'm the teacher for everyone. I think that's a nice idea. I think though there's nothing wrong with saying this is my area of specialty and these are the kinds of people who are going to really um, uh, want that kind of yoga. And it's easier for you because yeah. you can focus. You know, it's really hard to, you know, walk into a room or into a studio or however you want to think about it and know that you might have, you know, beginner beginners or people with injuries or people of all ages. If you're not set up to serve all those people in a comfortable way, if you yourself are not confident that that's that, that you can that you can serve these people. So it really makes it, you know, easier for everybody, really. Right, right. So, okay, so now I want to kind of pick out something else that you mentioned. So you had said you were looking for a, a place to kind of like a virtual place, studio, platform. And you sort of quickly mentioned who you went with. So tell us, I, I'm not familiar, I didn't quite hear. So tell mm -hmm. us about that. It's um, Namastream, um, mm -hmm. like Namaste, but Namastream. Got it. And they tend to serve wellness professionals. So there are yoga teachers for sure, and Pilates teachers, massage therapists, counselors, uh, meditation teachers, um, really uh, anybody who serves people kind of in a, in a wellness sense although I'm sure they would serve other people as well, but they have a platform um, that's like any other um, course or membership platform. Um, people use Thinkific, Kajabi, some, some other similar ones to those, um, where there's a, it's a place, it becomes a virtual home for people like myself to set up their, set out a shingle, post their offerings, and then people can come in and sample those offerings. And you can set it up really however you want. You can offer courses um, with you know, fixed beginning and end dates. Um, you can do a membership as I'm doing. Um, my membership is monthly. Um, I just recently did, an, um, last month, did a retreat as a course, a weekend retreat. It was all recorded, it was all over Zoom. I happen to do some other physical things as well with that. I sent folks um, to their home um, packet, packages with supplies for that weekend. That was just kind of something extra that I like to do. But now that whole thing is recorded 
And if somebody was interested, if they missed it, they could take that event. I mean, that's another great thing about teaching online is um, you can make it available after the fact, right? It's not, not just a live thing. Okay. So, okay. So that's the platform that you have, you know, you're kind of working with that platform to, to be the host mm -hmm. for your content. Um, your membership is what you said it is. Okay. So, um, tell us now you had talked a little bit about the people that are enrolled in your membership. Um, so tell us, I think one of the things that people would like to know more about is how did you find these people mm -hmm. and how did they find you and how did you, um, persuade them to pay you? I'm assuming they're paying you mm -hmm. for the membership. So talk a little bit about that. So over the years when I was teaching at, a studio and then also my own teaching. Um, I got permission from the studio owner to put out a clipboard at the end of class. And if people were interested in giving their email, I took their email. Um, at that time, I was probably not quite so regular, definitely not so regular with sending out emails, but I would tell people about events that I had coming up or um, different information that I wanted to share. And that list grew. It's still a pretty small list, 250 people, um, that, but that list grew over, over the years. Um, so between that and my social media folks, um, you know, between Instagram and Facebook, um, that was, I considered that my population. So Namastream in their coaching program, which is separate from the platform, they do a really good job of, you know, getting you ready to talk on over email and over social media about what you're going to do. The way that they recommend doing it is to do um, a beta launch with a small group so you can really test and iterate and test and keep going back and making sure that you're honed in and then doing a larger launch. So I'm at the place right now where my founders, my beta people, is, that's who I'm working with now and my doors will be reopening again. Maybe this month, I'm, I'm working on some list building, email list building right now, um, hopefully before the end of the year to reopen and welcome more people in. Cause I may iterate a little bit, right? I might make some changes based on what I've learned from my beta group to really give them what, what they're looking for. It's, it's even harder, right, um, online because we can't have that easy back and forth that we normally can with students to get feedback. So um, we need to make sure that, that we do that. But yeah, put it, I put a clipboard out and got and started to collect email addresses. And, you know, I, I, I would try to go live online and talk about my, um, my events and my teaching online to engage people that way and encourage people to come onto my email list that way as well. Got it. Fantastic. So I think what I take away from that, um, which is so cool. And I think, again, something I'm, I'm always trying to think of things when I have people on in terms of some of the larger themes that it brings up. And I think one of the things that your story there, this part of it illustrates so well, is that you can really start with small efforts. It doesn't always take huge numbers to be able to get off kind of that, that, you know, kind of, I'm just kind of dipping my toe in the water versus I'm actually doing what I want to do and trying it and putting myself out there. And I think, you know, when you talk about putting a clipboard out, it sounds so basic. However, that was really how you started your mailing list is essentially what, what you're saying. And again, 
Um, it's not like you're saying, oh, and that process built my list to 10,000 people. You're saying, hey, I have a moderate list. It continues to grow because people on my social media feed want to stay connected to me. So they'll opt into my list by going to my website and that kind of thing. You're probably going to create other ways to encourage people to join your list, you know, whatever those, those mm -hmm. processes are. Um, I think though, the, the interesting thing is, uh, it doesn't always take a huge mailing list to be able to carve out a small group of people to test your offer. And that is essentially what you did. I'm assuming you put out an email and said, hey, I'm looking to do this. I'm looking for people. Is that how it went? Exactly, exactly. And went online and went live, which was scary because I had not done it before. But you know, I just, I just did it and I, it, it, it goes right into our discussion about goal setting because it can be so easy to make excuses or, or reasons why you're not ready or you don't have all the tech or you don't understand it or you're confused. You know, a lot of Namastream for sure, but a lot of other folks have, have said, you know, start where you are. You can start with what you have. You'll see what you need. Don't feel like you have to go out and buy a bunch of stuff. You know, don't feel like you have to buy subscribers or anything like that. Don't, um, just start with where you are, you know, your people love you and they're going to find you and they're going to follow you. And, um, and if they love you too, they'll tell other people about you. And it's really, it's really been interesting because as, as fancy as, and it's not as going online is, it really is kind of, you know, the word of mouth and the real simple things, starting with a clipboard is still a part of it, you know? Um, yeah. It kind of sounds so old school, but it is. It's, it's, it's the way things work. Very much so. Okay, so tell us too, so how did you, what are you charging for your membership? On a month, is it a monthly basis? It's monthly, yeah. So the doors were, like I said, will probably reopen, I'm hoping before the, um, before the end of the year. And I'm thinking of having, again, iterating, right? I'm not exactly sure what it's gonna look like, but it's, it's, Ending up somewhere around um, $59 a month for um, the private, the one with the private, and I think $39 for access to the library and everything else. Yeah. The, the private, you know, it's really for people that, ha that appreciate the extra hand-holding and accountability, talking yeah. about goals, mm -hmm. um, and some extra real bespoke tools that can help them achieve their goals or, or get to a place where they want to in their lives as well. So it's, um, there are many aspects to it beyond just, uh, just classes, which again, teaching in studios, that's what we have to offer. We come in, we teach a class, we leave, you know, and on, when you have an online space, you can do whatever you want there too, yeah. which is pretty I think cool. that is one of the things that's so, um, I mean, freeing in a way, it, it just gives you a lot more freedom, as you say, to offer what you want, especially if you're working with a niche population, even if you're teaching to and offering something to the general student, you know, population, you can still go into different areas where when you taught in a studio, you had to sort of adhere to how they wanted the classes run, what kind of maybe even sequences they wanted you to teach. Certain studios have certain guidelines about that. So yeah, so I can see how that gives you a lot more freedom to do it, to do what you want. 
So, okay, so let's kind of shift a little bit to now that we have an idea of kind of your journey and the style of yoga you're too. Well, let's, before we went to the goal setting piece, just talk a little bit about that piece of style of yoga. I mean, you talked a little bit about initially your background in terms of training and how you ended up teaching, what inspired you. What does class with you kind of look and feel like? So it's interesting that you asked that about after talking about studio kind of requirements and stuff. Um, The studio that I used to work for was wonderful and really, uh, whenever I had ideas, was really open to things. But usually when you work with a studio, you get a slot that has a style and that's what you teach during that slot. Um, And I, in my interest in everything, want to teach a little bit of everything. So, um, you know, my my teaching and my main um, focus has always been vinyasa. I've slowed it way down over the years. So um, it's really a slow flow vinyasa, which was always the, t- the weekly class that I taught. But I do love restorative and yin so much. And I see the importance of including them as part of a whole picture of self-care. So what I've done is my weekly live class is a slow flow. And then the recorded 30-minute weekly classes are something else that's when I do a restorative or a yin or another vinyasa, or um, I've done some self-massage. Anything that comes up that might fit in with this idea of self-care that's a little bit different. So that's, again, something really cool that I like about teaching online because I can do whatever I want. So so that's worked out really well. Um, Certainly those topics are germane to self-care in the context of living through a pandemic where stress levels are high and we want to kind of do things that will keep our stress hormones down and other things, you know, around wellness. So it's certainly, you can be inspired by what we're going through collectively as something to give you the catalyst to certain types of sequencing. Exactly. And my um, retreat, my weekend retreat last month was called um, Beyond 2020. And it was about how do we take the experience from this year and not just say, you know, a lot of us have said, oh, I want to forget 2020 or, oh, you know, I just have to restart. Let's take the experience that we had this year, whatever it was, sit with it for a little bit. And what did we learn individually? You know, because we each all had really unique experiences, but what lessons can you take out of that to bring with you as you go into the future Um, and be confident about it? too. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. So, all right. So now we've kind of set a good platform to go into when we had first connected and we were talking about goal setting. Um, I don't know, you, you seem to me to be a fairly motivated person. I don't know if that, you know, kind of resonates with you. Um, so I'm kind of going out on a limb here. I, I would guess that that goal setting is something that you do regularly. Is that a true statement? Yeah, I think so. But I've, you know, nothing, no goal that I've ever set has been as clear to me, except for this teaching online thing that has been so long-term and I've been living with it for, for, for years. You know, I would, I would do um, resolutions every new year's and, and I would, um, I would say that I would do want to do certain things, but I really fell off the wagon a lot of times because I'm one of these people that's interested in so many different things. Something else would atta- attract my attention. Right. Um, 
So I was always, I kept being surprised, especially by yoga in general too, how much I've never gotten sick of yoga. <laughs> you know, there, I think there's so much new about it to me all the time that I'm, I never get bored. And that's kind of how I was feeling, I think, about, about teaching online as well, is that here's this new thing that I don't know anything about that offers so much opportunity to me. This is, this is big and this is exciting and I can really latch on to this. So yeah, I think... I think I am pretty motivated, but um, before uh, I got the mindfulness journal from you, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to write more often would be something I would say, and and I know now like that's not a goal, that's just a statement, and you know I find some of that too with the people that I that I work with that we really need to get a lot more concrete and. Um, you know, there's, there's this facet of yoga that, that I love the little woo woo facet of yoga about setting intentions and, and um, making some marks in our lives and doing some things to set guideposts. And I think goal setting really is both, you know, you can't just um, wish upon a star that something happened and then sit back. It really does take focus and attention. Um, and I think setting intentions and the act of writing and getting really specific helps make that concrete. Um, and there are so many like little things that we can do to, to make the process a, a little bit easier and not get away from us. Cause it can be really easy come February, right? If we set resolutions in January that by February they're gone already, but right. there, are ways, there are definitely ways, ways to Right, help. right. So I think one of the things I picked up on that you just said that I'd love to explore a little bit more with you is this idea, you were, you were saying something along the lines of, I'd had this idea of teaching online for a while, which I just want to kind of make note, um, you know, prior to the pandemic being for many yoga teachers, the catalyst to creating an online offering, um, it wasn't a very popular or well-traveled path for yoga teachers to teach online. As you know, most people taught in person and you know, they might have, a social have had a social media platform of some kind on one of the sites uh, or multiple, um, although they, they wouldn't have been teaching classes online. Most yoga teachers, the path was to kind of go with the flow of teach in person. And then you said, so I'd had this idea for a while. Um, and then it just kind of got to the point where, and I don't know if you literally just said this, that you started to take action on that goal. So I want to kind of break that down a little bit, because I think this is where, when we talk about goals, um, almost from a neuroscience perspective, there's something in someone's mind that allows them to have a goal, to know that this is something they want to do, yet to not do it, and then to not do it, and then to not do it. And it's not for um, a lack of not wanting to take action. It's something else. And I have an idea from a neuroscience perspective what, what that's around. I want to know from you, if you can kind of remember in your mind, you were living with this idea that this was something you wanted to do. However, you weren't doing it. You weren't taking action towards it until now. So what shifted for you that you got the 
energy to do it. What so I think there's, there's probably two parts to that. The first is like the very realistic, um, you know, I was working full time taking before COVID working full time, taking care of my parents, living in a different location from where I eventually knew that I was going to do this thing. Um, I had a lot of other things pulling my attention. So I kind of said, okay, when we move is when I will start. So the timing, there were too many other things at the time. Yes. And that was preventing you from focusing on this. Okay. Go ahead. But in the meantime, you know, I was filing, pinning, saving information, look, seeing resources come my way and, you know, putting a, a lot of stuff and information aside for when I knew I would have time to dive into it. Um, so that's that part. But an interesting thing happened when we did move. So it, it was probably late May or early June where, okay, we're moved, here I am. And then it was like, oh boy, here we are. Like the thing that was my goal and my dream, like I'm ready to make this happen. And there were a couple of days where I was scared. It was like, I have to do this now. I promised this to myself. I told other people I was going to do this this is, it's huge. And I don't know where to start. And, you know, the whole, you know, you have a dream of a dream house and then you're, Oh, all I want to do is be in my dream house. Well, you're in your dream house. Are you going to start to find faults? You know, is it really, are you having second thoughts? Mm -hmm. All that stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the, the bigness of it and the realness of it was scaring me because here too, like I said, in the meantime, now all these people are teaching online and talking about Zoom and this and that. And I don't, I mean, I know what, what Zoom was at that point, but I hadn't been teaching online. And how am I ever gonna catch up? And this just seems really big. So like with any goal, you know, the tiniest little steps of every day, you know, what um, training video am I gonna watch today? What this week am I gonna learn um, to get to the next step? And that's really what it's been. And when I think, you know, come Friday, every Friday, when I look back to what I do and have learned in a week, it's amazing. Like, I can't believe this, how much has happened in, a, in any given week. Stuff moves really fast with this technology. And it's all really great learning that's helping me be able to serve people in a better way. And it, it just feels really, really good. And the steps are, you know, manageable. I'm making the step because I know, you know, being frozen isn't going to get me anywhere, but I know that taking one minute little step is going to, is going to travel me down that path, you know, by that amount. Yeah. So the, it's interesting that you talk about at the end of the week, you marvel at how much you've learned. Right. And, and again, I, I mean, I get this impression from you that you're, you're well motivated and you also have a healthy perspective on approaching a plan, you know, kind of moving forward. Um, and it's interesting to me because I know sometimes, and I'm bringing this up because if someone's listening saying, wow, she has such a healthy perspective on what she doesn't know and yet still moving forward. I want to just kind of acknowledge that mindset, which is so productive and healthy. And I think the converse, which sometimes happens, is people look at all that they don't know and they get stuck 
and feel overwhelmed. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, whenever I teach for someone else's 200 hour, their anatomy portion, in the maybe second or third session, there's usually about five or six sessions of a few hours at a time over six to eight weeks. Um, by around the third session, I'll start out by saying, when we get together, and now this is of course online, so how's everybody doing? And inevitably, three or four of them will say, I'm so overwhelmed, there's so much to learn, um, I don't know anything about science, I wasn't really good at science. And so it's interesting, and I want to just point it out, I didn't know that was how you were going to present. And there's that other way of being and then everything in between. And um, so I guess part of what I would love to know more about from you is, and this may be because a lot of the beliefs that we have around being in a scenario and feeling overwhelmed, those can go back really far. Like that might've been our experience as a kid in school. There might've even been a specific situation that it goes back to. I'm just curious for you, how did you develop? Is this always something you had, this kind of healthy perspective on, hey, I'm gonna embark upon this project in order to reach my goal. I need to learn about X. I don't really know much about X, but you know what? I'm really excited to learn about X. You know, another way to look at that is there's no way I can do it. I don't know about X. It's way too overwhelming. I don't know who to talk to. There's too many steps. I could never learn it. And then everything in between. So how is there something you can think of that allows you to, because I think in, in that way of being is lessons for people who might feel like they're a little stuck. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've, again, ever had a goal like this that was so long term that I that I picked away at like in the way that I have. Um, because again, I'm I kind of can get shiny object syndrome and, and I get distracted very easily, you know, which can go to changing your goals, you know, something has changed. So your goal has changed, you know, has changed and that that can happen. Um, so I think that that's part of it that that I don't know that I've ever had something in my in my heart or head so so long term, um, and I think some of it too was the idea of picking out the things that resonate with me or that worked f for me at the time. I've had a couple of teachers um, who have really said this this thing to me that's that's made a lot of sense, which is you know presenting anatomy or presenting you know any subject. And when it does seem overwhelming, you know, what are the things that resonate with you? You don't need to learn every, you don't need to know the name of every muscle. You don't need to remember how this, um, this joint is, is set up. You don't need to, you know, know all of this stuff. Is there something that will serve your population of people that you like to work with that you can take out of this, you know, session on the shoulder? Um, you know, if you're, say, working with an elderly population or, a, you know, um, athletes, people who play tennis or something right. like that. Um, so break it, break it down. I think, especially when we put money down on a training or something, we say, we, oh, I've got to learn every single thing. 
You really don't. And now, you know, we have our um, materials that we can refer back to. We have recordings that we can go back to. Um, people are available. I love that I can study with people from all over the world right now. I mean, this has been amazing this year, this opportunity for us. So, so there are different there are different ways to take that information and have it work for you without, I feel, without getting overwhelmed. Trust me, I get overwhelmed. I think the thing that overwhelms me sometimes is when it comes to tech, when technology doesn't work and I get really frustrated. Um, and I, you know, I want the thing to work and, and I call in all my resources, all the people that I know and I, you know, Google everything. And it does take some stepping away <laughs> to let things cool down and yourself to cool down before you can come back at this and say, all right, really, what do I need to, to do out of this? Because, you know, beating yourself up to try to find a solution or to put in all that information in an anatomy class usually backfires. Right. Um, so, yeah, I liked the idea of taking the things that you think you might need that are important to you. You know, for example, you know, in, in um, the yin training that I've done, there's traditional Chinese medicine. Um, there's, um, there's point location that's happening. There's a lot of stuff that you could remember. You don't need to remember all of that. You know, what are the things that make the most sense for you? So, right, yeah. right. No, I think, I mean, and that's really, you know, when you think about something like anatomy, that's really one of the hallmarks of how I teach anatomy is I chunk it out into about 10 sections because I agree with you when you take a subject that's so big, if you don't chunk it out, you become lost in so many different subtopics that you never kind of move forward. Right. So, um, so let's talk a little bit. And I think this year is a perfect illustration of that. Um, this idea I'm going to lay out, which is when we set a goal and something completely unexpected happens and we don't reach that goal or it causes us to really reshape it. Have you, I mean, it sounds like you've gone through so many different things this year in addition to the pandemic between a move. I mean, I think they say moving and getting married are two of the most stressful things, right? So you have the moving, you have the pandemic, and then with your mom being sick and your dad supporting her and you supporting the both of them, um, so how have you adjusted your goal, your perspective on your goal for teaching online and building an online platform for people, given all of that? I think the idea of going back to um, talking to um, students and talking to people and seeing what they need um, I, because I think I had an idea of what it was going to look like. I had no idea that I would specialize or that I should specialize or that that was something that you did. I just thought, well, I'm going to teach some classes and they'll be online. So I think the idea of honing in on, you know, what what's going to serve people best is what made me more comfortable to say it's okay to shift. Mm -hmm why are you going to take this time to create a, like, okay, you, your goal was, it was going to look like this. Why would you take the, the time and create that if your people are over here wanting something different and you're going to have to shift anyway, right. doesn't it make sense to slow down and step back and ask questions um, and, and make, make that something that's going to work for them. You know, I, I had to do that with um, 
as so many people, you know, teachers did with, with my in-person retreats this year. I had two scheduled and that was one of my goals that I sent to you when, when um, in order to get my mindfulness journal, I had to share three goals with you. And so one of them was that I was going to run two retreats this year and that, you know, I was going to schedule more. I certainly, there was nothing I could do about having these things canceled. They were rescheduled twice and then um, about to be rescheduled a third time when between myself and the host, we said, this is, you know, really kind of silly. So, but then it became, okay, what's my opportunity now? Um, well, I can try to teach one online and I, now I had, was new to teaching at all online, certainly had never taught an event online. So I had a lot of questions around how long should this thing be? Does it, does it transfer one-to-one? Do I take my event and just move it the way, the exact way it was? Like, what does this look like? How does it work? So, um, I, I asked questions of people who had done it before, just like I think anybody would, would do for something that they're not familiar with. Um, I was upfront about saying, you know, this is new to me and, and new to probably a lot of people. Um, the whole teaching online is new, but also in, uh, doing an event, a weekend event online is going to be new for people as well. Um, and then I just had this idea of, you know, how can I make it feel like we're together? Because I think that's been the biggest barrier for a lot of people is they're afraid that it's not going to feel the same. Um, And, you know, there are, I keep saying that there have been benefits and there have been, for example, with the retreat, I was um, bound by the host's schedule and when they were available to do certain things. So my schedule for the retreat was based around their schedule. Well, now I could start my class earlier in the day and I could do whatever I wanted. So that was re- like felt really, really good and really exciting. Um, and then the, you know, the idea of not feeling um, connected, you know, I just kind of kept coming up against that. How can we feel connected? And that's when I came up with the idea of sending people a box, a retreat box of mm-hmm. supplies that they would need because there's an essential oil workshop in there. So supplies, as well as extra nice things like there's was an eye pillow and um, bath salts and um, extra essential oils and then the the makings for meals because one thing that people really like to do is have meals together well how can we have our meals together and so I sent shopping lists and, and recipes and ingredients and then there was the option do you want to have a meal together we can prepare our meals and then enjoy them together and I didn't know how that would go. I didn't know if people would be interested in doing that. And some people participated and some didn't. And the ones who did really said it was like one of the highlights of the weekend to be able to have this time to sit back. And we compared how our recipes came out and you know talked about different substitutions we made and different things we did. And there was a connection that happened. Yeah. It's yeah. different, but you know. Yeah, I actually just randomly turned on the TV yesterday, Sunday, and um, I sometimes watch the Food Network and Guy Fieri has a game or has a show where I'm sure you've seen it where the chefs are cooking for judges. And it must have been his new version, um, not an older one before COVID. And the people that were participating were cooking in their homes and the chefs were virtual. So there was no tasting by the judges 
Um, so it was kind of weird. They actually had the people who prepared it taste it and give their perspective, which was kind of weird, but there was no way for them to do it the official way. Um, but they still timed them. And he, as you sent them the ingredients to their homes and there was that element of surprise, they thought they were going to make X, but when they opened the box, the supplies for X wasn't there. So they needed to think on the fly, how could they leverage the supplies he sent and still sort of make the thing that they thought they were going to make. So that was kind of where the contest element came into play. Um, but it reminds me of what you're saying. And it sounds like you sending materials and then having the materials be part of a food activity allowed you to build that sense of connection with your attendees. Yeah. I, and I, like I said, I really didn't know how it would go because you're also working with a lot of different diets, a lot of different, you know, tastes. And, and there, there were some people who said, yeah, you know, I'm just not going to make that. I'm going to make this, but they, you know, were grateful for having the things sent to them. And yeah, I think, you know, especially in a retreat setting, a lot of connection is built off the mat, right? You know, between sessions and even when you're rolling up your mat and walking, you know, to the place where you're staying, that's when a lot of the the extra connection is made. So I knew that that wasn't going to be there, but I also was concerned about Zoom fatigue. I didn't want us to be sitting in a, you know, eight hours on a screen. Um, so I built in a lot of time for breaks, which as it turned out, the people were saying, you know what, can we just keep going or can we shorten that? They were okay with it, but it was good that the time was there um, and, it, and it really worked out. And so I was really pleased with, with how it came together. Now, of course, you know, a lot of it has to do with the group of people that you get, the mix of energy that you get. Um, I was going to say in a room, but, you know, virtually in a room. So it, obviously, I, I know things could, could have gone the other way, but I mean, I think it's doable. And I think it could, it could have been really easy for us this year to just say that right. studios are closed. And, right. you know, how can we do that? We can, you know, we don't want to leave um, our, our people that have worked so hard in classes up till this point um, adrift like that, right. you know? Right, so. right. And I think too, hearing your story, I'm hoping will inspire listeners who are thinking, you know, there's still two months of the year we're heading into, you know, whatever happens with the election tomorrow and holiday season, which is going to look and feel really different because of COVID. And so there still is, as you say, a need to, um, to offer people different restorative techniques, yoga practices, meditations, essential oils, healthy food, um, coaching on all different things under the big umbrella of wellness. So there's still time for people. There's plenty of time if people want to, who are listening, create a weekend retreat type format. So I Absolutely. think how you did it um, is, is inspiration to, to folks. Good. So, for that. Good. Um, so let's just, let's kind of end with a little bit of a, a, a focus on, if you can kind of give us an idea of just generally kind of where you see the future of this going for you, where do you want to go with this? Um, and how do you see setting goals out in your future? How do you see that process happening? Like what goes into that for you? 
Yeah, so for the future, I mean, I have to come, come back and iterate my membership and, and relaunch that, open the doors again for the next group of people who might want to come in for that. And there's, you know, all manner of getting more people on my list and, and more people to see what it is that I offer. Um, so there'll be some of that going on. And I liked, I like the balance of that's an ongoing thing. You know, that's kind of a weekly thing, the way I look at it, even though it's a monthly membership. And then I like these events, you know, because these events are almost like holidays for me, too. They kind of mark the time in the calendar. Um, they're big, important times. They're like ritual times. So I do like that. And again, um, the my um, my location was only available in the summer because they have an extra um, a cabin that isn't heated, so it was not available during the late fall and winter and early spring. But now I can offer things all year round, so that's really exciting. When the weather's bad, when people right. can't leave their homes, I mean, there's so much opportunity there. So that's a lot of what I'll be looking at doing too. And in terms of setting goals, you know, my life has changed a lot. So the other big change that I had was that I, you know, I, I had a job change. So going from working full time and doing this on the side to having this be my main thing and working from home, which I know is, you know, a lot of other people are doing as well, is different for me. And um, one of my goals for this year was to have a, have a daily routine and, and, and be able to enjoy the outside and some other things beyond what's on my desk. Um, and I, you know, I really like working and I, and it's easy for me to keep working, you know, into the night. And, um, and it, the summer was good because I was able to, to be here and to get outside and to be able to do some of that stuff. My word, I've been doing this for the past couple of years where I pick a word for the year instead of um, a resolution. And my word for, the, for 2020 was rhythm. And I wanted to connect to the rhythm of the seasons and things that were going on around me. Um, so much of what was happening with me taking care of my parents was literally I was in the car constantly. I was eating in the car and I'll tell you, it was great for my podcast listing. It was fantastic. I'm, I feel behind, really behind now, but, um, and I missed everything, you know, I missed everything else that was going on. So I really wanted to be able to take all of that in. So I think that that will, you know, be a part of the goals that I have for the future to, to kind of work some of that in. And it involves slowing down. It really does, which can be hard for me. So yeah, and I, I like the idea that we don't have to wait until New Year's to, you know, to rejigger some of this stuff. Why not? You know, yeah. there's, there's plenty of time left still in this year. Um, and I just read somebody else's um, post talking about how using November to set the stage for next year instead of being behind and waiting until January. So there's no reason that, you know, you can't start now for what you Absolutely. want to do. Absolutely. So why don't we close by having you share how people can find you on social media, especially if people are listening who might want to contact you for some additional questions around how you got your online platform up and running. I mean, they may have some questions about the platform you're using, maybe what you think of it or anything along those lines. So share, uh, share that. Sure. So my website is joebregnard.com. Um, I'm sure I'm guessing you'll put it in the show notes, but J O B R E G N A R D.com. I'm Joe Bregnard on Facebook and also on Instagram. I'm not that active on Twitter. Um, I pin a ton. <laughs> so I'm on Pinterest as well, even though I don't have my content just the way I want it there. 
Um, yeah, and I'd be happy to answer any questions that people might have. And my, they can get to um, my Namastream platform through my website. Again, my doors aren't open currently for the membership. They'll be opening anytime now. So getting on my email list is the best way to assure that they'll hear about that. And so they just go to your website and there's a box or something on the home. Yep. Yep. Or uh, yes, or social either way. Oh, yeah. Right. And um, yeah, and they can reach me at joe at joebregnard.com too. J-O okay. at joebregnard.com. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. I, you know, I will tell the listeners, we did not script any of this. This was completely spontaneous. So I really uh, thank you for being willing to just kind of show up and chat. <laughs> Sometimes sure. like, what are the questions you're going to ask? And that kind of thing. So I really appreciate that you were willing to just kind of be here and be spontaneous and just kind of see where the conversation goes. And I love all of what you shared. And I think it will be definitely helpful for people, especially if they're feeling a little bit on the fence about how to kind of get started with something that they're inspired to do. So you're certainly a good role model in that way. And I'd love to kind of touch base with you again towards the end of the year and see how everything is going. Sure. That would be a great idea. And we could talk about setting goals for the next year. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And at the end of this, in the next day or so, maybe even tomorrow, I'll send you the recording so you can have it as well. That'd be fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Karen. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my Mentorship Program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.